Welcome to the Harnessing Happiness Podcast. Upbeat vibes generated and transferred to you. Now here's your host, Sarah J. Naylor. Hello and welcome to Harnessing Happiness with myself, Sarah J. Naylor. Thank you so much for dropping by and taking time to listen. And today I have got the fabulous Adam Harris with me. Adam and I have known each other um, a while now, but he's he's left the country and I, I'm, I'm assured it wasn't because of me. Um, anyway, I'm going to hand over to, to Adam. <laughs> I haven't been known for stalking, it's fine. Um, yes, I'm going to hand over to Adam to uh, introduce himself and we can get on with the show. Um, over to you, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I am Adam Harris. I'm founder of Frank and Fearless, How to Have Focus, Flow and Fun. Uh, predominantly work with chief execs, boards of directors, helping them have the difficult conversations, firstly with themselves and second of all with their teams to ensure that they are getting high performance, doing the things that they love and most importantly, Sarah, being happy. Yes! <laughs> it's so important though, Adam, isn't it? It oh. really is. And I think some, so many businesses do actually miss that point because there's all this sort of focus on performance, etc. and so on and so forth. And it came to mind when I was listening to some reports yesterday. I don't know which football club it was that had got through so many managers in since 2020, oh, I don't know, 2012. But it's, it's we, we, people are people. They've, they've got we're human aren't we we're not we're not production we're not elements we've got personalities and we need to be sort of taken care of really my observation would be is that the role of the leader has changed and actually it's their responsibility to create the space and the environment that allows employees or peers or colleagues to put their hand up and say hey do you know what I'm not quite digging this. I'm not quite happy. Let's have a conversation, a dialogue, an exchange. Um, you know, I remember a phrase somebody said to me many years ago. It sticks with me. I can't remember who said it, but um, in order for a deal to succeed, both parties have got to win. So if somebody isn't happy, mm-hmm. first and foremost, I believe the leader should have some level of empathy and an awareness about what's going on and be asking the right questions, but that's a separate thing. But it's also the responsibility of the individual to kind of go, hey, I'm just not quite working for me. Cool, let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And if it's not the right environment or it's not the right role, then actually, uh, you know, and you know more than most because of you know your recruitment mm-hmm. uh, business, is that you're actually stopping somebody from living their true value and finding their own purpose. Absolutely. And it is, it's really about empowering people. And unfortunately, I mean, you obviously picked up on something there. It does need to be win-win both sides. But there are, and you will know this, people that are in, in, in employment that don't have that confidence to speak up. So therefore, the situation exacerbates. They don't speak up. The, the sort of the management don't pick up on the fact that they're not speaking up. They and there's, the, there's this lack of engagement. And that's when you then start to get this turnover of staff because they're not being listened to, but then they're not being given that opportunity I guess to actually have a voice and that is for the leaders and the managers to create that sort of I guess safe environment or that ability for people to speak out because I think maybe too many people don't want to be don't want to be questioned they just want to lead mm-hmm. they want to tell and you know as, as a good coach you know you it's, it's all about ask not tell it's about enabling and, and, and creating an environment to people for people to be that best person they can be. And it might be you've got a great employee in your business, 
but in the wrong role. And if you identify what really does fire them up with that knowledge of the business they've already got, you could do some, a few sort of cog changes, if you like. I just get this vision of a wheel sort of moving around and different cogs in there. And if something yeah, goes into a different I, position, everything's going to fit into place far much, far better. I completely agree. I, I, I talk often about creating the conditions for success. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody that leaves or wants to leave your organisation should never come as a shock. Because if you're having the right conversations, you're having the right dialogue, and you're sitting down and go, look, this is this is the expectations. Um, if you can't or don't want to meet them, that's fine. Then you know we can have an adult conversation and we can go from there. Um, I, I often say it's like a moving jigsaw, and you spoke about kind of this aspect of cogs. What I found working with clients over the last kind of two years is that the the aspect of kind of working from home. Um, interestingly, here in New Zealand at the moment, there's aspects of uh, mandating vaccine passports, uh, which means that some businesses will allow and won't allow certain individuals kind of into the organisation. So it's very easy to kind of go, oh, well, we can't do this. It's like, well, actually, where's the opportunity here? Mm-hmm. You know, what, you know, in theory, we're kind of right, ripping up the uh, the playbook one business that I'm working with here locally has been really great because actually what we've done is we've identified that there's somebody that actually can fulfill a role working from home that's going to add significant value to the business and it was something that only really came out but just by having exploratory conversations and kind of go so what is it that you you know I speak about something called the A game uh, quadrant box top two what do you love doing what are you great at bottom two what do you hate doing what are you not very good at and when individuals can spend some time looking at the functionality of the roles that they do, if we're spending, and I include myself in this, if we're spending the majority of the time doing the things that we love and the things that we're good at, and we found a way to delegate or elevate the things that we don't like doing and we're not very good at, actually we create the conditions for success. Yeah. And, and the fluidity, uh, I believe, that leaders and organisations need to have moving forward Actually, what's happened is that over the last two years, COVID has kind of accelerated a lot of institutionalized bureaucracy. They just needed to change yeah. because actually if they, ha- if they didn't change, employees were going to go elsewhere mm-hmm. because the, you know, the new generation, you know, people know what they want, but more importantly, they know what they don't want. You know, I'm sure on previous podcasts you spoke a lot about culture, etc. We as leaders have got to find ways of making sure that we are able to change and adapt and listen. Listen, observe, and be having the right conversations with the right people consistently. No, absolutely. And listening is so important. And I think so many people don't do that and they don't realise the power of actually tuning in and listening and being aware and observing. You can get so caught up in, they get so caught up in sort of that, what they, they they want to do. They don't really, and I think it's possibly true that a lot of people get promoted into the management role or want to go to the management role because of the salary increases and the increased responsibilities, but perhaps don't actually enjoy the management of people full stop. Because it's, you know, it is a, it's a skill. It's an art form to actually be able to sort of manage large groups of people and understand them and be able to tune into them and sort of do all the things that a good manager should do. But it's again, that's again about being in flow with your career, even at that level, isn't it? It's about, you know, doing something that fires you up, that you enjoy doing. And if you enjoy managing, you're going to naturally, one would assume, want what's best for your team and bringing them along. And what I really liked with what you were just saying is about 
the opportunities that present themselves when something major like covid comes you know you and i both know you know you suddenly had to stop you had to pivot we had to do things differently we had to think i mean obviously at the time you just moved out to new zealand with your family i mean it really wasn't the best time <laughs> for covid yep. to stop and you you had to do that in in bucket loads because you'd already got to adapt to a new culture, not say culture, but it is, isn't it? I mean, it's it's the other side of the globe, um, different way of doing things, new friends, you know, make new connections and get the get the children into school and what have you. But you've got to think and be curious and look at other options. And there's always different ways of looking at things and making things work and adapting and coming out of something with a better way of working. Like you're saying, it's it's we're shift we're moving paradigms and we're shifting out of that old way of working. We've got to move forward, we've got to adapt, we've got to understand. And and the more people are in flow, the happier they'll be. As you are stuck and you your energy gets stuck because you're doing a job you don't like and you're working for somebody that doesn't respect you and you don't respect this it's there's a complexity. I mean it's such a massive, massive subject, but you get ailments that manifest as a result if you're not in the right job you're not in the right place you're not in the right environment and if the companies Mm -hmm. aren't making that environment right in the first instance that's a big big issue and as you said that's when the staff start to leave a couple of things i just want to pick up on there one of the things that we've created within frank and fearless uh over the last couple of years is this is uh, a number of different diagnostics and and a lot of the times it's just questions but actually, it's about asking individuals within the organisation, you know, what your needs, what your wants, what your hopes, what your desires, um, you know, what's your vision, what's your, what, what is it that you're fearful of? And actually, they need to understand that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got a couple of programmes um, which we created, and this was based on taking, and, you know, we touched on it, both of us have touched on this, this aspect of going from being a manager to being a leader. Mm-hmm. And first, actually, what we've got to do is we've got to qualify that the individual or the individuals actually have the want, the need and the desire to do it. Mm-hmm. And actually, are they? Uh, does that match the expectation of what the organisation wants? Once you've then got that, it's then kind of a case of like literally kind of working through and kind of going, um, you know, what's the programme? What's the mindset shift? What's the expectations on self and of, uh, of others? What's the behaviour? All of this kind of um, uh, stuff just has to be worked through. Um, I think, and, and I've seen it definitely more in UK businesses than uh, definitely North America, is there's almost a kind of a case of, oh, well, you've been doing a good job, so we'll make you a manager. Yeah. How many times do we know from, you know, if you're listening to this, you'll know people that have that have been the top performer in whatever mm-hmm. they are. They then go into the management role, mm-hmm. inverted commas, and they don't succeed. And actually, I think the, re- the majority of the reason why they don't succeed is because the organization hasn't given them the chance to succeed. They've just mm-hmm. made an assumption. Yes. And they've not yeah. supported them. Uh, and end up, you know, we then end up going into a bit of a vicious circle because the individual then becomes unhappy because their self-actualization isn't being met. They then leave the organization in a very short period of time. You've just lost not only your manager, but potentially your, one of your high-performing members of the team. Yeah, and I um, think the thing is that manage. there's a difference, isn't there, between a manager and a leader as well? Massive. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think we've got time to go into that. <laughs> Well, I mean, I have to say, I mean, with what you've just said, I mean, I I sort of reflect back on my career. I mean, I always, before I sort of qualified and changed career of being a coach and because I'd been in a long-term relationship and I was very much supporting my ex-husband in his business, 
uh, and doing a lot of other things outside of work aside of. And I just really enjoyed the role of a recruitment consultant and never really wanted to go into the management because I knew I'd lose that element of the job. For Mm -hmm. me, the observation would be is that the the tide has changed in the fact that it used to be the case that... um, the perception was you needed to grow throughout the organisation mm-hmm. and success was determined by job title uh, and kind of salary and hierarchy. Yes, yeah. There's a, I've definitely seen a shift over the last uh, five to ten years where people are like, hey, look, you know, and, and culturally here in New Zealand, it's very, very different. They're, the aspect here is it's, um, you know, we, we work to live. So, mm-hmm. you know, people here, they want to finish at four o'clock because they want to be do- off deck going for a surf. Oh, they want that the flex- sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I, I've not quite got to that stage yet. <laughs> yeah. um, Have you got the shorts though, Adam? <laughs> oh, I've, I'm wearing shorts. You've got the board shorts. I've got the board shorts. I've not quite got to the uh, the surf lessons yet. I think that might, towards next summer, I think I'm going to I'm gonna do it. But I think what is definitely happening is the tide has changed and people are kind of really a lot more focused and a lot more aware of what it is that they want and what they don't want. So, you know, I'm quite, you know, people are quite happy going, I just want to be an employee. I don't mm-hmm. want the stress. I don't want the challenges of, um, you know, management or leadership. I just, want to, I just want to do my job so that I can live my life. And I definitely know my parents' generation, that's not what they were taught. They were taught you've got to work hard. You've got to do the hours. You've got to do what's expected of you. Yeah, I was going to say, there's, there's been a massive shift, like you've said, and I think it is about understanding who you are. And that's what I love doing, you know, in all that I do, is encouraging people to follow their flow and do what, you know, what's right for them. And I think, you know, certainly in the UK, I don't know what it's like over in um, New Zealand right now, but there's been a massive shift into sort of entrepreneurialism and a real gold rush of people entering that that marketplace because... You know, they've certainly with COVID and with lockdown and lots of other things, and that level of awareness and just wanting to do things for themselves rather than being sort of, you know, um, dictated to by the constraints of a business. I mean, I know I've been self-employed now since two thousand and nine, and I I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I've got lots of different things that I do at any given time. I mean, this week alone, I've had twelve new jobs come in, and we're only on and that we've only just stopped. Well, we're in the UK as I'm record recording this, and we're on Wednesday morning. And you know, but then I'm dovetailing in sort of recording podcasts and um, writing blogs and getting books done and <laughs> coaching, and, and it's great because you you create this portfolio career for yourself, and you know, I've got one. I've got a member of staff. I think she manages me actually. <laughs> Uh, that's all all good stuff manage you know when we employ somebody you know that age-old thing surround yourself with people that are better than you do you aware of roger hamilton have you done any of his profiling uh, i'm aware of him i've not done his specific profiling but i'm a i'm a big profiling fan yeah it's really interesting so i, I did his profile a few years ago and i'm a, a star a blaze dynamo energy and i'm a star supporter so i love supporting people to be the best person that um they want to that they're going to be you know and I've had to use that on myself being self-employed um but I in terms of steel energy which is like the detail big fat zero um and Lou who works with me when we did her profiling and um she's completely the opposite and she's like all this steel energy that's why it works because we then that's what you need to look for in stuff it's not about finding a, a replica of yourself it's about all those different cogs that all work together to create the whole and that's the beauty of people isn't it we're all individual mm-hmm. we're all unique and it's understanding that like you going back to what you were saying to start with 
and what it is that, that you know what fires them up what makes them happy what they're enjoying doing because there's no point saying i mean if you put me into a, into a room with no daylight no contact with anybody i'd wither away and it <laughs> what use am i i can't serve i can't serve that way can oh, I? <laughs> thank you for that image sarah <laughs> a withered sarah is not a pretty image <laughs> Moving away from that, though, I mean, obviously you've you've moved. You've, we, we have alluded to it already. I mean, you've moved out your whole family. I say it's two and a half years ago now, isn't it, to New Zealand? And yep. you know what what prompted you to to do that? And I mean, I, I'm kind of keen to sort of ask you a bit more about the education because I remember you writing a blog about that as well. And I think you know the listeners are going to be really interested in you know what motivates you and what makes you happy, you know, and, and how you've used that sort of positive mindset to to overcome challenges in your life, which I know obviously there will have been in moving over to New Zealand as COVID hit. So I think the thing for me, Sarah, is that. Um we were we were living in Nottingham, where I was I was born and born and bred. Uh, I'm a big Nottingham Forest fan. That's definitely something that makes me happy, and I'm very happy. Even waking up at two, three, four, five in the morning uh, to watch the Forest matches live. Oh my god! My wife keeps saying to me, "Why don't you watch? Why don't you, you know, watch a recording?" It's like it's not the same. I'm, you know, that's one thing I'm missing. I'm missing the atmosphere of going down to the city ground. You see, now that's funny. You see, because obviously we met at the Knox County Ground when. We did. <laughs> and I we did. Thanks for, you know, you've just outed me now as a football fan. Let me just say, though, that we were at Notts County to watch Nottingham Rugby. That's so, uh, very true. <coughs> yeah, that is very true, because they were using the ground at the time. Anyway, I digress, but that's, yes. that's, that's a surprise to me. Sarah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Shh, I'm zipping it. Um, I think we just got to the stage as a, as a family where we just felt as if we needed a change. I've got two daughters uh, who were just coming up to 11 and 7 at the time and we just felt as if we were going to move we needed to move before our elders kind of got into secondary school to kind of establish and get grounding um, and build friendships and relationships etc we were actually looking at the south of England so we both myself and my wife are qualified teachers and lecturers uh, in universities and We'd come across the Steiner School of Methodology Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the Montessori. So it's just a slightly different education base. We were looking at kind of the south of England. um, And then we kind of went to, and it's just funny how fortuitous how these things happen. I saw some flights for New Zealand. Um, I've got family over here. Uh, It was going on flying. It was ridiculous. It was flying on Christmas Day. Um, coming back kind of almost three weeks later so the kids were hardly going to miss any school so we just I just booked the flights on a whim came oh, wow. out and actually we we'd, we'd looked at moving or yeah moving to New Zealand probably uh, seven years prior mm-hmm. but then my my wife Naomi got uh, got cancer so everything kind of changed and pivoted and mm-hmm. you know so and I think at that point we were probably about a seven out of ten. We yeah. made pretty much made the decision that we were going to move. We came over. We reminded ourselves why we loved, uh, potentially loved New Zealand so much. So we booked another trip for um, Naomi and my eldest to come out, um, which would have been what kind of June nineteen. Yeah. Um, in between them, we found out about a new school that was being built here in New Zealand in a place where I'm living now called New Plymouth, uh, called the Green School. Mm-hmm. Um, Previous, the, the the first one was based out of Bali. The aspect was around conceptual learning, 
uh, outdoor, learning by doing, uh, sustainability, and it was just like you know, if I was going to go to school, that's yeah. exactly the sort. I was going to say it just sounds go amazing, and having oh. read a blog that you wrote about it, it just sounds incredible. We just kind of like, do you know what? Right, that's where we're going. So I, I changed and moved my coaching consulting advisory board. Uh, all of the different interventions that I do and just, you know, turned around to all my clients and said, right, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm moving online. This is pre-COVID, remember? Yes. Um, yes. 72% of, you know, my clients or, you know, were like, okay, cool, we'll just move with you. The others were like, oh, you know, this online stuff, it's never going to work. You know, you can't <laughs> have the same. You can't have, how can you have a coaching session online? It's like, well, <laughs> you people who have been doing telecoaching or telephone coaching for, for years, Anyway, mm. um, <clears throat> it was interesting having a few conversations with them over the last two years. Um, <laughs> so I ju- we just kind of did it. And, you know, it's it's probably been, it, it's not probably, it's definitely been the hardest thing we've ever done. But so much reward at the same time. I think, you know, um, you know, one of your questions, what makes me a happy person? I'm, I'm incredibly inquisitive. Mm-hmm. I've got very high uh, intuition. And I'm I'm a, just a constant learner. So people yeah. go, oh, I'm sorry to trouble you, but you know, can you come on my podcast? It's like, yeah, because I'm learning about myself. Even just talking now, I'm just remembering what mm-hmm. I've gone through. I'm I'm reflecting, but I'm just kind of I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm an information junkie. I just look for me. Um, I love learning through people, mm. um, whether that be one-on-one, whether that be me going to kind of um, not so much conferences, but more kind of masterminding. Mm-hmm. So the aspect of bringing people together yeah. to kind of work through real life situations, issues, problems, opportunities, and kind of go, right, okay, the collective mindset, the challenge in the question, I get so much energy from yeah. working with other people. It's not, I don't, you know, people say, oh, you know, do you mind staying up till, you know, what's it now? It's nearly, it's half past 10 at night. So, like, mm. you know, I'll be, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be tired when I go to bed, but I, I love, I love doing what I do. Yeah. Um. So it gives me, a, um, you know, a huge amount of, um, a, amount of energy. Um, and that's true, isn't it though? And that's the, that's what we were talking about before. When you're doing something that you love doing, you want to do it. You're excited about it and you do want to stay up at 10 or 30, 10.30 at night. And you're, for me, I do have to rein myself in because I love doing so many things. <laughs> oh, the likes of you and I suffer from golden penny syndrome where <laughs> we see something shiny over there and go, oh, that's new and shiny. Oh, I've got to have a bit of a play with that. And then and then within a very short period of time, oh, I'm bored now. I'm moving on to, oh, that's nice and shiny. So... I have definitely had to hone my criteria for kind of getting involved in things. You yes, know, uh, yeah. it's not because I don't want to. It's just that actually, you know, and I've had to learn this over the years yeah. is that I need to protect my time and my, my energy. Exactly. You know, exactly. I'm you have to put boundaries now. in place for yourself, don't you? Yeah. My hair's getting grey. Um, Does just... it look very grey from here? Uh-huh. Thank you. It is about recognising that. And I think, as you said, about learning about yourself through doing, you know, talking and the masterminding. I mirror exactly what and reflect exactly, echo, I should say, exactly what you've just said, because I I get that energy from working with people. I love talking to people. I love having, you know, and I love doing these podcasts because you have such amazing conversations that are in depth. And it's the, I feel very honoured and very lucky to, you know, actually have this time with you to be able to spend that time discussing these things with you that I know that then will be sort of spread globally that other people can then listen into because 
there's that wisdom that comes out and like you know I had a message this morning from somebody that had been listening to a podcast you know in support and saying oh it's just great and and it's just like it's just wonderful and you get yeah. that energy don't you I mean it's just brilliant yeah, I, I, this is my opinion but um I think this for me this is what distinguishes somebody that is a, a good coach and a great coach is the fact that um we don't underestimate the impact and the value that we can be having with people mm-hmm. not necessarily the ones that we're engaged with because there's a you know in theory there's a contract and there's an exchange of services mm-hmm. but i think when you have levels of knowledge or or wisdom um and you are sharing we should never underestimate at any one moment in time that somebody's listening to this podcast and actually you know either one of us say something that just hits they've heard the same thing a thousand times before but just because of where they are with what's going on on in their life is that they just hear they they hear a voice that they can agree with that they can empathize with and it almost sounds mm-hmm. as if we're speaking exactly to them and yes. i mean you know i've i've got my own um podcast as well which you were a guest on the Frank yes thank you very much podcast. and i did talk too much i know <laughs> You always talk too much. Stop well, apologising. You know. uh, um, we actually don't know who our listeners are. You know, no. you know, we 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 get the we get the stats of where people are uh, listening from, but we don't know we don't know where. Um, and I've kind of had that with um, uh, you know, with kind of being a speaker over the years, is that you just bump into somebody years later, and it's like, hey, I'll never forget that session that you did, and you're like. What session was that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 that gives me a you know I feel very mm-hmm. humbled when those things and those situations happen. I don't think it's actually just being a coach. I think it's actually in all walks of life. You know, we're walking down the street, and you know, if you're if you smile at somebody, just the impact that that smile oh, can have gosh. on somebody. Absolutely, and that, and it is the small things, Adam, that make the massive difference. And it it's so true. I mean, you sort of what you've just alluded to, and people and the nod that and what people pick up on. I mean, I remember contacting somebody just recently because obviously I've still got my recruitment business, and it was really interesting. And he recorded a conversation he'd had with me years ago that had really resonated with him and his career. And it's like, oh gosh, I mean, I have so excited. Even though I'm a recruiter, I've never really been a sort of... I used to be introduced as... Sarah's not your typical recruiter because I've never worked as a bums-on-seat sort of kind of recruiter. And I've always been really mindful of the... As you were saying, as again, alluding to that, observing and recognising that part you pay in, play in somebody's life. And I've always been aware of that, that, you know, my involvement, even in that recruitment process, is part of that person's journey through life and it's to be mindful it's to be careful it's to be uh, respectful of that part that you play in their life you know and I will always like you know do my best to sort of pass on some you know notes of wisdom even if it's just recruitment wise not that it always is taken on board because you know people have to be receptive and want to hear you know even if it's just somebody saying me saying to them well you need to change the setting on your um, job board profile because you're getting you're going to get the wrong calls and people just aren't mm. interested you just want people have to be and as the listeners will be you know that if they're tuned in and as you've just said it could be something they've heard a hundred times before then suddenly it's just something went ah get it now yeah. aha yeah it's important to be aware of that it's exciting though isn't it Life. I wanted to. Do you know what? I actually want to know a little bit more how the girls are getting on at um, at the school because it sounds fascinating and it would be really interesting to know how they're okay. getting on and how they've settled and how happy they are doing. 
because I've, I've interviewed quite a few people now uh, in terms of sort of education and my books that I've um the chapters I extracted from Shining a Light on You, How to Manifest Your Dream Job, my first book, are all based at sort of the education sector from 11 to 16, 16 to 18 and 18 to 21. And then we sort of twist, we've taken a book away from that to actually address to the parents, carers and educators that we were in the process of, I say we, this is my my editor because we're sort of working together on it. I kind of challenge the traditional education because I don't think it works and I think things need to change dramatically. Oh, okay. So you're going to get, you're going to get potential you to get me on my soapbox here and I could uh, that's fine could be talking about Adam soapbox away because if you if okay. you listen to the podcast I've done with um, Hayley Forbes she talks about radical unschooling and, and she's got two children with autism and it's just amazing what she's done and what the turnaround through changing how she educates children because actually we're still working on a system that was set up in the Victorian era aren't we so oh, one of my favourite TED talks of all time is Sir Ken Robinson oh yes um, yeah and look for me having been a student within the education system that i wouldn't say it failed me i you know i went to a decent school in woolerton in nottingham mm-hmm. um fernwood um yep. it wasn't a, it was a pretty good school it's just it didn't work for me mm-hmm. um and i didn't necessarily get bad grades i, I mean I, I did okay it's just i wanted more i i i was asking a lot of questions I was always very inquisitive and I kind of had to dumb myself down for a period of time because I had to fit in because if I didn't fit in, then I was going to get into, you know, into lots of trouble. Um, you know, I subsequently, you know, then qualified as a, as a teacher. And the, initially the reason why I did that is when I finished my undergrad degree, the UK government were, were paying people to train to be teachers. And I just thought, well, I've got nothing else to do. I don't know what yep. to do. Um, transferable skills, you know, moving forward. And I absolutely fell in love with teaching. You know, Mm -hmm. in in theory, being a coach is just a form of teaching, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, the light bulb moment. Fortunately, I get paid a little bit more than teachers. Once I qualified, what I found within my, my kind of NQT year, which is kind of your first year after qualifying, was the bureaucracy and the and the mm. paperwork for me in theory I suppose as an entrepreneurial teacher you know I I, I qualify I'm a qualified business studies teacher and oh. you know I was I was saying I was like right okay I want to take the kids to the local manufacturing company uh, because I want I want them to see the widgets being built and then we want to go into the sales department and speak to the guys in the sales team and then speak to marketing and speak to people in the in the in the finance place and it's like oh you can't do that what do you mean i can't do that you know we we want kids to learn but yeah they're learning from a from a an outdated system um you know this is i want to give them real life so i just i to be honest i got to the stage where i just knocked it on the head but yeah um it's always stayed with everything that I've done, my teaching has always been the core foundation about, you know, giving people the right amount of space, mm-hmm. allowing them to kind of learn, um, but just, you know, almost kind of hold their hand. And a little, I mean, I, I often say to a lot of my clients, I'm a little bit like Nanny McPhee in the fact that when you don't <laughs> want me, I'm there and I'm a bit, a, can be a bit of a pain in the bum. Um, but when, you know, when I've done the work and you want me to stay, it's like, look, I'm done. You know, yeah. you, you you've now you're able to now kind of do this for yourself, and I think there's a there's a level of responsibility that comes with that in the fact that we can't just uh, be there for kind of uh, for everybody. 
I'm going back to where we are now. What's been interesting is is that coming to a in theory it was almost like the perfect storm. So you've kind of got a brand new school methodology. You've then got a brand new building which if anybody wants to go and if you just type in Green School New Zealand you'll see the mm-hmm. way that the the campus has been built is very very different lots of green open space wow um the the buildings are kind of it's not the typical classrooms so you you know you've then got brand new teachers that are coming into uh, a new methodology a new way of learning so they're having to they're having to unlearn and uns- and the kids are having to unschool what they've done so you've then got um you know all new students you've then got new parents all of that kind of coming into the mix so what there was probably 70 students that started off and then four weeks into you know after launch you then go into covid so oh gosh you know and in theory since that moment our borders have predominantly pretty much been shut so we, we you know the kids go back to school in a couple of weeks going into the third year mm-hmm. um the you know there's 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 probably about 200 students uh, international wow. students that want to come they can't oh, get gosh. in. Yeah. Oh, crikey, they, yeah. They can't get in. Um, there's been a trickle come through because of some Kiwis that have come back from abroad that have managed to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. come back. But there's still a lot of people that want to be here that, that can't be here. I think the biggest thing that I've noticed with my daughters is, you know, and, and, and even at the age of nine, my, you know, my eldest... She's super bright, be, isn't she? <laughs> she's super. I mean, I don't know if you remember. She she actually came to a couple of PSA meetings. Oh um, yes, yes, yeah. she did a talk, didn't she? Yeah, or she she had took, took center stage. She's amazing. She's really she just bright. Starts, just starts. Yeah, she's bright. She's she's inquisitive and mm-hmm. give her the conditions for success. Create the environment. You know, she's she's decided that she and look, she's not she's she's bright but not academically. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not afraid to have conversations with, with adults. Um, but that's the emotional intelligence, isn't it, Adam? And I think sometimes this sort of, this, this we, we measure brightness by qualifications. And I don't, I think that sometimes is, well, in a lot of cases, I think that's absolutely wrong. I mean, I've never done a degree. I, I left school with my GC, um, O-levels, started A-levels, dropped out of them. I subsequently did a, decided I was going to become a coach, enrolled for a qualification and discovered after I'd completed it, it was a level five qualification equivalent to two years of degree. I know, but I and don't look think at you it, now. And look <laughs> at you now. But it's the emotional intelligence and that's what your daughter's got. And I don't think, you know, necessarily being forced to get a qualification that ref, re- reflects that is necessarily the answer, no. is and, it? And we, we can't go through the, the aspect of, you know, and look... Um, we're, I feel fortunate that we, that we, you know, and look, did we, did we make the decision to move here because of the kids? Partly, but look, you know, I'm gonna hold my hands up. A large part of it was because of, because of us, because, mm-hmm. you know, we wanted to um, unlearn, we wanted to grow, we wanted to do new things, we wanted the, we, we wanted the challenges, because that's where actually the growth comes from. If you, mm. if you stay within your comfort zone, yes. Um, you know, I just did uh, I did a Wim Hof workshop at the weekend. Oh wow! Um, How exciting! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do explain mis- to the listener who Wim Hof is, because you and I know who Wim Hof is, and it sounds okay. very chilly to me. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sarah with the puns. Wim Hof, a guy somewhere um, I can't remember where, one of the Nordic countries, created a, uh, this aspect around uh, breathing. And actually, if you go into uh, a cold bath or a cold shower, 
um, you know, cold therapies that actually you can slow your breathing down. You can actually overcome the fear and the perception of being within the cold and actually kind of breathe through it. And that was great. Did I really want to do it? I felt uncomfortable, but that's that's where the growth comes from. Oh, um, absolutely. I love doing new stuff. But like you're saying, sometimes you have to rein yourself in from trying to do all those shiny new things, Adam. <laughs> so what prompted yes. you to do that one then? <laughs> My word for this year yep. is exploration. Whoa. Um, and my uh, my feeling word is uh, is is bravery. People sometimes say to me, why did you call your business Frank and Phyllis? Um, I think part of it actually, just, it was about giving me a bit of a driver to mm-hmm. want to push myself. Um, and I've definitely, I straight, we have definitely done experiences in the last two years since being here, which I would probably never have done. I just kind of look at things and go, yeah, why not? Let's give it a go. Well, What's the worst that can happen? Exactly. You know, That's one of my phrases. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I really do not like heights and, uh, and uh, I'm massively uncomfortable. Uh, Naomi and my wife pretty much loves them. One of the things that we did last year was we climbed the highest waterfall uh, on a guided tour uh, on like carabiners and stuff. Absolutely massively outside wow. of my comfort zone. Wow. But But what I said to myself was, if my life was in danger, I wouldn't be able to do it. Okay, so mm-hmm. this is a this is an organised company. Um, they're running these trips. Is it going to be uncomfortable? Yes. Is my life going to be in danger? No. Right. So I've just got to get. I've got a. I've got to flip my mindset. So mm. you know, even kind of two hundred and fifty foot up in the air, <laughs> hanging off a off a waterfall. I've got my youngest absolutely crying because she doesn't want to be there. Oh, and I'm just going. To, I'm just just breathing through it and kind of going. Okay, one step at a time. Do not get me wrong. It was hard, yeah. But the the satisfaction and the reward knowing that I've done it. To be honest, it was down on the South Island. Um, I think we're going to have a wedding at some point later this year or early next year that we're going to have that we're going to be going to on the South Island. Mm. I'm pretty sure that we're going to do that again. Well, I think the thing yeah. is, once you've done something, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I was just going to say I, a couple of things on the back of that. I mean, I feel that every week with with my part run. I love my part run. But sometimes when I'm running, I'm going, oh, my God, it's hard. It's hard. Now, when it's finished, it's like, yeah, I've clocked up another part run. It's done. But uh, the other thing I was going to say, a friend, my friend Fiona, she's walked to the North Pole and South Pole, but she's also climbed El Capitan in the Yosemite and, and sort of had to camp on the side of the on the, on the cliff face to sleep overnight. It's like holy moly it's like a sheer cliff face it's like i mean so i take my hat off to you adam just the very thought of it because i i can't go close to i mean it's not that i'm afraid of heights but it's it's that edge i think i was chucked off a cliff in a past life several times so for me it's not it's not i'm it's not the height it's the i worked out it's the fear of not necessarily even falling it's the fear of falling And like kind of hitting the ground and, you know, the disbursement of bones. And I worked out for me that it was based on when I was younger, I fell off the off the garage roof and broke broke my arm. So there's, you know, there's almost an aspect of kind of trauma there. But again, you've kind of got to look at it and kind of go, okay, so what's the fear and what's the perception that sits behind it? Right. Okay. Mm. Um, And almost kind of ask the kind of the seven whys. So why am I fearful of that? Well, because I hurt myself. Yeah, but why? Uh, and you, if you keep on going through 
the, those different permutations is that you actually then kind of really begin to understand. And I think one of the aspects with um, coaching and with any form of kind of external support is actually exploring the areas of your life that you want to, you know, that you want to grasp and you want to take on board. But also I think there's an opportunity to lean into and reflect and understand why uh, have you got these perceptions that you've created? Mm. Where where have they come from? Yeah, it's, it's that drilling down. It's that it's going back to being curious, isn't it? And sort of exploring it and looking at it and sort of looking at all aspects of it and going, well, where does that come from? How, how is it? Why am I affected like that? Do I want to be affected like that? And actually, as you dig down into the subconscious and with NLP techniques and other techniques, you can actually change those experiences and experience them in a different way. You know, obviously that happened to you in childhood. It doesn't mean to say it's going to happen to you time and time and time and time again, does it? Because, I mean, it, there's so many things that happen that you let go. But obviously it won't have been a very nice experience. But when you're then climbing, it's all supported, isn't it? Because you've got a guided climb and everything yep. is prepared for. So it's not like you're just going to... Anyway, what are you doing on the garage roof, Adam? <laughs> well, I was never very good at football, so I kicked it onto the oh. garage roof. So I had to get it down. I had to go and there fetch go. it. Gosh. Uh, yeah, I was never destined to play for Forest. Oh, blimey. There we go. Just have to be a great supporter instead. So I think that brings, I mean, brings us sort of all the way back to where we started almost. But uh, I mean, you shared with us so, with my listeners, fantastically so much wisdom and insight into sort of leadership and management and changing your life around and overcoming challenges and what makes you happy. But are there any sort of final top tips that you could, you have that you, I mean, we've just been talking about that one of exploration of what it is and questioning and going deep digging down but any other sort of top tips to finish with and um and how do people uh, find you if they want you okay so a couple of quick things that i think for me are important the meeting that you don't want to go to is always the meeting that you should go to just kind of ponder on that clarity creates confidence mm-hmm. if you know what you need and what you want or the expectations of somebody else that means that you have clarity or they have clarity, which then means that you can go ahead and push forward and do what needs to be done. If you think about the aspects, um, when you when you have uncertainty, other emotions then come into play. Fear, uncertainty, uh, lack of clarity, you know, all of these things. Be, and actually, when you've got that clarity, it allows you to have the confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I suppose the final thing really is uh, event plus response equals outcome Ah. both Nigel Risner and Paul McGee have written uh, stuff on this so if you want to know more uh, kind of you know look at both of them up Uh, and the aspect around this is that you know let's take for example the event being COVID it's out of our hands it's out of our control Mm -hmm. however the response which we give it will then determine the outcome so if we go oh my god COVID is the worst thing that happens. I've now got to be at home. Uh, you know, oh, this is just horrible. That's going to influence your outcome. Absolutely. If, you're, if your response is, hey, look, you know, it's happened. Uh, what do I need to do? How do I need to work through it? You know, what's, what's my mindset need to be is that your response in a positive way is going to then influence the, out, the outcome. We kind of need to just take stock, take a step back and kind of go, right, okay, what can I own? What can I be responsible for? And the only thing there is is our response. 
I, I agree. Yeah, because I mean, just to, just to sort of kind of finish on that and sort of give a nod to you as well, Adam, in, in that respect, is that when COVID did hit and I discovered a bottle of wine wasn't the answer and I pivoted madly, <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly jumped on and revisited a whole pile of marketing training I'd done sort of pre, uh, so I think it was about sort of a year, 18 months previously. And I, ju- I think you, you were running because obviously you jumped on to doing stuff as well and you ran... Um, a live webinar or something like that and it was because of what you did that then got me buying all the kit that I'd got because of what you'd said and I've got my I'm going to lift it up my blue yeti that you recommended buying so and um, here's mine and there's yours <laughs> hello hello um so I bought that and I bought all the kit I just went straight out because I thought I would get on with doing YouTube stuff and yep. and here we are now sort of two and a half years late no nearly yeah, coming up for two years later, and I've got my podcast as well. And I was able to do it all because I'd already got the kit, because I'd ordered it and bought it on the back of that webinar that you ran from New Zealand coming up for nearly two years ago now. So it's a full circle. And that's the, those well, are the synchronicities. Those are the things that you listen that. out so to. So thank you, thank you for sharing, because we never know the impact that we're going to have on somebody's life. Exactly, exactly. And your, your the ripple effect from this uh, podcast episode going out is going to be massive too. So how do people find you, Adam? Well, you can come and visit me in New Zealand if you can get through the borders. <laughs> if, you, if you're allowed in. <laughs> if you want to swim over. Uh, barring that, um, frankandfearless.com. Uh, I've also got my own podcast, which is the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast. Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, I'm always happy to speak to people. Um, one of the things that makes me incredibly happy is I'm just a connector. I speak Mm. to people, listen, and then I go, hey, you need to speak with this person over here. So um, if I kind of work on one of my mantras is if I don't have the answer, I'll know the person that will. But we are very alike in so many ways, I do believe. Although you've got dark curly hair and I've got pink at the moment. Anyway, (laughs) thank you so much, Adam. It's been absolutely brilliant. Um, Loved having you on and it's great to have the opportunity as I said to sort of chat to you in more detail. It's always a a pleasure and an honour and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. Thank you. This has been Sarah Jane Hayler with um, the fab Adam Harris who is down in New Zealand. Thank you for listening and if you've enjoyed this episode, please do uh, rate, review, follow, subscribe, and let's help spread happiness globally. Thank you so much once again. Thanks for listening to the Harnessing Happiness podcast with Sarah J. Naylor. If you took value from the content, please follow the show on your podcast app. And to find out more about Sarah's ape mindset, visit sarahjnaylor.com. That's sarahjnaylor.com.